I'm fired up, Peter. I'm fired up for so many reasons. But now wait, do we have a new sponsor? Good. We're going with no sponsor. We're going raw. We're going all the way through this week. First off, I just have to say, this will come out after we go, so there's no threat to my family. But I am going to go see the Mean Girls Broadway play tonight, and I'm super excited about it. But last night, see, you know, we're not a two nights in a row family, truly. Like, I like to do one big event. I like to do a thing, and then I like to have a night of, like, we can just lounge. Yeah. We're going two in a row. Because last night, Peter, I, I don't know how, how we pulled it off. There are movies I go see sometimes that aren't my favorite movies, but I'm addicted to movies, so it's not really a problem. I'll see anything. But there are certain movies only I want to see in the household, and a lot of times I'm waiting for that Amazon Prime rental on a lot of those titles, just because I love my partner, and I don't want to drag him through things. Like, if I would have taken him to see Lamb, I think we would have probably broken up. You know what I mean? Did you see Lamb? Yeah, it was a little rough. <laughs> so... He says, do you want to go see Elvis? Now, Oh, it was his idea. It was his idea in the middle of the day. Now, I know how days go. They're long, right? <laughs> Things can change in, the, in a daytime span. But we got tickets. We got ready. And we went to see Elvis. And all signs were pointing to us not making it through the entire film. And I won't get into the reasons, but they don't serve beer at this theater. And that was that was one of the things this was hinging on a little bit. But God bless California. And we're going to talk a lot about California this week. I'm feeling more like a Californian. Uh, those peach gummy edibles kept his ass in that seat. And we watched every minute of Boz Lorman's Elvis. And I'm laughing. Here's why I'm laughing. All the movies that came kind of after it, uh, and especially relating to Dewey Cox and Walk Hard, they they sort of have Classic. already... These films have already happened. We know the storyline yeah. of Elvis. It's a common storyline. But this version of Elvis was even better, Peter, because, because Elvis was played as kind of a dumbass. And <laughs> truly, that's... That's the Elvis I really look up to and aspire to be. They did get the hand motion in when Elvis just kind of like shuts you off and walks away. And I was honored for that. But the way they set up this film, every scene where Tom Hanks, allegedly Tom Hanks, is uh, Colonel Tom Parker. And he's like, I'm going to do a little nefarious bit. And Elvis is like, I don't care that he's doing a nefarious bit because I just want to sing my songs and shake my dick. Like that was the core of the film was like, all I want to do is sing gospel music and shake my wiener. Why can't they just let me? I could be like James Dean if they just let me. And they'd be like, Elvis, do you want to do this cool thing that would expand your horizons? And he'd be like, I don't know. I better ask the colonel. And even in the end, they're like, Elvis, you could just kind of do whatever you want here. And he's like, I don't know. It seems like there could be a court case coming. I better just go see the colonel and get my pills. There's one scene in particular where he goes, Priscilla. Why are you leaving? Is it because I keep letting women in the side door and having sex with them? And she goes, no, it's because you keep eating all these pills. And she throws pills at him and then he collects all the pills. And you're like, this was very detrimental and serious. And Elvis was deeply addicted. But they've really just upped the drama here to the Boz Lorman potential of just, I mean, this thing was a, this was a ride, man. This was a flashing light. I don't know if it was a real movie. 
It was almost three hours <laughs> it long. It didn't look like a real movie. It was three hours of scenes where you'd be like, I'm Elvis, I'm addicted to making music and shaking my dick. And then, of course, the colonel would mess it up. Three hours of that over and over. It was a perfect film for me. All the music. Doja Cat had a song in the Elvis film. A what? I'm fired up about Elvis, but we're missing the point. This is a we're gonna have a big episode this week, Peter. We keep hinting that little blow ups and things that happen, and this is the second weekend in a row. I've not only gone viral on a video, but I also was trending again. I was not happy with why I was trending. And I'll get to that later. We'll get to it later. Peter, I saw you chime in. It had to be confusing for everyone what was going on on Twitter yesterday. But as you said, Mars is in my 12th house and my enemies are ruminating, even though my physical form is beat down and I had four matches in three days. I'm here and I'm ready and I'm talking my head off. We are not sponsored by Alani New, but Femme Red Bull, the greatest, the GOAT. Cosmic Stardust. Are we in the Cosmic Stardust? We, I, I think we got a couple updates to the simulation in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, there's been some movement of the X-Wing in that Dagobah swamp. Now, I have to say that I started my week with your beautiful daughter, Lucifer. And I came over here and got to spend time with Lucifer before I even went to the airport. That was so freeing to my brain and my mind to get to spend time with your dog. She is so sweet. She is so playful. We wandered around this backyard area for a long time. I was pretty stoned because I was going to the airport. And she just, she was marvelous. She was perfect. I didn't know what else to do besides let her out. So I just, that's that's all all I did. That's all she did. She's a cat. All right. That works. It was a. It was a good time, and it was a good brain refresher. But, Peter, since it started with your dog, I have to ask you this. Um, what's what's going on, Peter? What's going on where I keep getting put on the spotlight? Is there something going on here that I need to know about? There's stuff going through your first house right now. Yeah. So it's very main character energy for you oh yeah i feel it uh unfortunately for you that's going to continue for a little bit yeah i figured it would continue for a while and i got some news this weekend that it is going to continue continuing just because of so many big things coming my way they're going to be drinking a little haterade yeah i i didn't so gemini is going in or uh, mars is going into gemini soon and then it'll be going retrograde so you're gonna have to like get real friendly with Mars for like, I don't know, like eight, nine months. Are you saying I got to be a battle soldier? Uh, Basically, yeah. Oh my God. Okay, I'm fired up. Let's go be battle soldiers. It'll be productive. It's just going to be bouncing around. (sighs) Man, the flight was perfect to Los Angeles. Your haircut might be a point of contention. It's just like looking at thematic kind of stuff because you're having like real cutesy shit happen now, including the haircut. So I'm just trying to like suss out what could be happening. I Maybe like we just leave it unpredictable. Yeah, of course, this haircut's getting me in trouble. Look at me. I'm adorable. Are you kidding me? God, people this weekend were like, you look so like mask and new. I barely recognize you. And I was like, because I am a spirit and I am changing into the next form. I didn't get to change it to the next form just yet because when I landed in LA, I met up with Tony Deppen, God bless, who was recently the number one contender to the GCW championship and then beat my ass in a scramble and jumped on me on a stage. We had to go pick up a rental car because I was like, yo, it makes way more sense. Uh, 
if we just go get a rental car instead of Ubering around LA, I'll do it. We get to Avis. Yo, that line was a two hour line. I stand it in a rental car line for two straight hours. And this whole time I'm supposed to pick up the, uh, the the team of Commander and Los Macizos. And we've talked about Los Macizos here. Commander, incredible. And I don't speak any Spanish still, Peter. It is there's no upgrade on the situation. So I'm trying to communicate to them like, I'm stuck in a really long line. I don't know how long it's gonna be. I hope to get to you soon. Once I get through this line though, I was nice to the agent. You have to be nice to all these agents. It's part of the ritual. You gotta have a kind ritual. I did love in the Atlanta clear line, which was, I mean, it's long. The Atlanta clear line is longer than it should be. But then you look at the general boarding line and you're like, folks, like, are you really going to complain when it's longer than any ride at Disney World? It's all the L.A. people going like, in L.A., I just walk in and they just let me in. Like, there's never a line. And hearing their discomfort of starting the ritual, I was like, I know where I'm starting. I'm keeping my ritual clear. So even in this Avis line of two hours, I was like... I'm not even going to sweat this. I'm not even going to worry this. I'm going to get there when I get there. And that's the best Los Angeles energy to keep because if you sell anything in Los Angeles, be it the traffic or it's too hot or something, you can't sell for Los Angeles because all the parts of Los Angeles that are really good are really, really good. And the bad stuff, you can't sell for it. So long line at Avis, I'm not going to sell for it. They gave me a red charger, Peter. I was about to take all of Los Angeles in a big red Dodge Charger. And it was worth the wait. It was worth not fretting over. And I got to pick up Los Macizos and Commander in a big red Dodge Charger. That's amazing. It was beautiful. And it had enough room for everyone. And we got to the point where we got to the hotel and we're checking in. And I was like, where are we going to get food? Do I have to DoorDash? Do we have to go walk somewhere? And I go, I have a red Dodge Charger. And we went to Chipotle and I kept it super healthy. So there's, there's benefits to waiting in a long line. I would have probably had to wait for all the Ubers in total the same amount of time, right? Like, uh, yeah, it all adds up. Yeah, and I mean, Ubers from the LAX area to the Ukrainian Cultural Center are like minimum fifty bucks. You Uber twice, what are we doing? Yeah, it's eighty bucks a day. Plus, Chargers are like the Atlanta car, so you brought a little bit of home with you for sure. I was just promised a full size vehicle, so it was a nice, very full size vehicle that I ended up with. Uh, the show, now we ate, we did all that, whatever the show got changed. So originally it was supposed to be us versus PP Ray, which is pretty Peter Avalon, uh, of AEW and Ray roses of California. And it was going to be a very sexy match. You know, they're known for getting a lot of tips from the fans in their underwear and getting a lot of money for showing their butts. And I said, well, this seems right up our alley. We'll put the tag belts on the line. We'll get a little serious at the end, but we can have a good time together. I think this will be fun. Boom. Family emergency. Don't know what happened. Don't need to know what happened. All wealth and health to you. We got to change the card. They said, well, you're going to have to fight SGC. So my night went from like, I might do some lap dancing and some sexy moves to glass and uh, chairs and and tables. Uh, specifically, Matt Justice chair shots are nothing to fuck with. He wants you to give them to him the same way he gives them to you. And there's a lot of people who will disagree with headshots. And there's a lot of people who will disagree with headshots. But, oh, did I repeat myself? I don't know. Might be the might be the headshots. Um, sometimes you use them. You pepper them in like, the, like a little bit of saffron on the rice. You know what I mean? So we have this huge, crazy, very uh, bruise-inducing... 
hella tag team championship match. We're getting destroyed. We're ruined. And I was like, man, this is this could have been a weekend where we we really took it easy. We were safe. Like my match the next day was going to be so nice. No, we got put through the ringer. The ending spot is him splashing on top of me with a chair over my chest. And I fold myself over half conscious and pin him in the end. Barely, barely getting out of there. And I bring this up again to point out that uh, at StarCast weekend next weekend, uh, July 29th, 10.30 p.m. I want to say, it's now SGC versus Bussy versus Los Macizos, Miedo Extremo, and Ciclope, which Miedo Extremo means extreme fear in Spanish. And Ciclope means... I think uh, Mega Twister or something in Spanish. I'm not sure. Ciclope. It's a very cool name. But these are like death dudes and brawlers and hardcore motherfuckers. What am I supposed to do? I know we're going to have to bleed now in Nashville, which is fitting. Did you hear about Jeff Jarrett? What What happened with <laughs> This Jeff motherfucker is now in Ric Flair's last match. Wait, wait, what? Oh, yeah. There's a big tag match with Jeff Jarrett in it. What the fuck have I done, Peter? This is the final saga because I'm not bringing it up again. And I'm going to tweet the fucking picture. I'm going to tweet the picture, Jeff Jarrett. Just you listen to me. This dude sneaks into another fucking title contest, another fucking payday. I'm real fired up right now on that, Peter. Jeff Jarrett, I've got to deal with him next week, and he's going to be in Nashville. It's, so, Rick, this is like his last... Forever, He's forever. retired like 17 times. Okay, that's kind of what I figured. There was a video that came out that was a little concerning, going back to the like, nothing's going to happen, but you better get tickets, because what if something happens? Where he like physically is straining just to uh, lace the boots. <laughs> so I'm trying... I think a few of my friends are involved in the show on Sunday. I'm trying not to be around for it. I think I'm going to drive straight back. Uh, you know, all hail. Hope he does well. Nobody wants to see that, but... Mickey Rourke didn't even win an Oscar, I don't think. So just just take a big breath and look around you. I think there's some younger guys in there to mix things up, but it does sound a little dangerous. But our tag team championships are now are now being put under the under the scope of death, and I'm not looking uh, forward to where this heads to because we barely got out of that one alive, and it was just two teams. Saturday, I got to stay in L.A. I extended the rental. I said I'm just gonna keep this car, and. After everybody kind of dispersed and went their way, a lot of people were going to uh, Hood Slam in San Francisco already, like Tony and uh, Sheik and uh, the lovely Alley Catch. They were all leaving. So it came down to like me and Cole Radrick, and we were like, what are we going to do today? I was like, what have you seen in California? He was like, I've seen nothing in California. I was like, sick, easy. We're going to do the most touristy thing possible. We're going to go to Venice Beach. Oh, excellent. Excellent, right? So... I am taking him on this journey in a Dodge Charger. We are going to Venice Beach. Venice Beach was an awakening. Peter, you're cackling at Venice Beach. This is great. And usually, like, if it's me picking, I've been to Los Angeles a lot of times. I've seen these things. I've been to Venice Beach many times. But for someone new coming into Los Angeles, you've got to just take them right to the big pot. And I had a big, uh, a, a big, what do you call it? I had an experience at Venice, Venice Beach. I had a big crazy experience because that same night that I was wandering Venice Beach with my good friend taking in the sights and sounds and flavors and smells I was to fight uh Santana Jackson who very well might be Michael Jackson okay I don't know people said oh Michael Jackson died all right Latoya Jackson even told me she goes Michael's gone I said okay but Santana Jackson 
looks just like Michael Jackson, dances just like Michael Jackson. And I'm starting to think, did Michael Jackson just want to get into independent wrestling and get out of the, you know, music scene? I don't know. After seeing the Elvis movie, if Elvis had that good of a doctor, I can't imagine the doctor Michael had. So maybe not. Maybe he didn't survive it. This what if Santana Jackson's Elvis? Oh, no. It's too deep. What if I'm Elvis? I kept thinking that one last night. I was like, what if oh, Tom no. Hanks is Elvis? Oh, man. Castaway. I want to do a really serious film. What if my whole life was a serious film and then I was still in more serious films? God, that'd be great, wouldn't it, Priscilla? I still think he's at the, uh, at the garden. I think he's up there in Graceland, watering the plants, going, Did you know Elvis really used to live here? Pretty crazy, right? <laughs> the Elvis movie was so good, man. I needed it. I needed it. Venice Beach, though. I'm haunted by this ghost of Michael Jackson. I obviously walk around the main beach. We go up and down the beach. But everywhere you walk, everywhere you look, there are people dancing to Michael Jackson songs. There's a little boy who uh, can kind of sing Michael Jackson songs, and you don't want to be mean because he's a kid, but you know, it's like, you know, there's a situation there that you probably should report, but it's Venice Beach, so you don't know who's in charge. But as I walk through this madness, and there's portraits of Michael Jackson, and every little shop becomes its own little world, and the music hits different at every shop, and the food and the smells hit different at every shop, and then you start noticing the tourists. If you subtract them out, and you can pick out tourists pretty quick, you can tell who's there and who's not, there's this really crazy system of communication that goes up and down Venice Beach, where you start noticing just the people who are Venice Beach people, everything is moving and flowing together, uh, along with all the Michael Jackson, but there's a separate kind of kayfabe and underbelly to Venice Beach that starts to point itself out to you. We spend a little time just wandering and taking it in, but... You have to kind of sit down and let everything around you kind of vibrate in and, and take in all the different things. Now, here's where it gets crazy. We walk and we see there's a crazy basketball game going on. No, it's Venice Beach. There's always a basketball game going on. But I'm not like in the loop on this, all right? And I'm looking and I go, Cole Radrick, that's not T.O., is it? He was like, no, dude, that's T.O., Terrell Owens of the NFL was just playing street ball at the Venice Beach Street Ball League. And we're like, what is going on? I mean, that it was he was like, this is really weird for me. I was like, nah, this is weird for everyone. We're all this is all weird for everyone. But he was selling a lot of jerseys. So I guess the street ball thing was working out. I don't know. Everybody's got a carny scheme down there. It was the purest form <laughs> of pro wild. wrestling. It was incredible. And I even got time to go down in the water and smell the salt. Let the salt clear me out. I think it's good to be near the beach. I went to a Third Eye Blind concert one time, and he, the, the lead singer, it was in Jacksonville that I went to see them, and he said, I'm just glad we're playing at the beach again so I can be anew and be fresh again and feel like myself. And I was like, damn, that's how I feel every time I'm at the beach. So maybe there is something to the aquatic ape theory, and we want to return back to our ocean beds. There was a false report that all the plankton died the other day, and I was real bummed out, but it was not true. Uh, they said some of them are still alive, so just keep filling up your cars. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, God. <laughs> they were like, yeah, there's not a lot of plankton here, and they were like, it's not a problem like you say it is, and they're like, it still seems pretty bad, and they were like, shut up. Shut up. And then the BP tanker came over the horizon. Horrible. I don't know, Peter. There's darkness ahead in the climate wars. I'm scared. 
I need people to know that consistently I am very appreciative of my life as an entertainer and performer, but I'm I'm one I'm one click away from being ready to just like mad max it out on the wasteland. Like I'm ready. I know it's coming. I've got my people close. I can live without internet, I'm pretty sure. You know, you're going, you make your living off the internet. Well, guess what? I can also grow watermelon probably and berries, maybe a type of beans. I think I could live out in the the wild wasteland. I think I'm ready for it. I've started fantasizing about it a little bit. I think we have to be careful of that, right? Like I think so. It's uh I have a lot of convenience in my life now that I might be uh I might be over like overlooking that will be convenient. Like when when my plumbing went out at my old place, I said a month without plumbing, I'm out of here. You know, so so I don't know. Maybe I'm Then again, have you ever taken a shit in the woods? Yes. Yeah, there's nothing better in the whole world. So maybe we're building a lot up about uh, like cultural acts of toilet, you know? This might be going in the worst direction possible. <laughs> Venice Beach, though, how can you not think of toilets? Um, <laughs> the water was fine. I, I got my feet. I tried to play with a crab at one point, and Cole Radrick was like, don't fuck with that crab. And I was like, I'm not fucking with it. He's coming with me. He goes, that crab's going to pinch you. I was like, I want that crab to pinch me. And I remember looking at him and I go, I want to feel the full force of that crab, like God reaching down and being struck by a man. I want to know what that crab is capable of fully. And I want him to give me everything he's got. And if he fucks me up, I ask for it. Like, is that strange to want to just feel the power of the crab? I mean, cancer season's almost over. You're just trying to get that last little... I needed a pinch. I needed a pinch of that crab. We had time in between there, but uh, eventually we had to get to Baldwin Park, and two of my friends from college came out, and one of those friends, Adam Seiler, is the person who filmed uh, the documentary where I'm out on tour with Farah and a few of my other friends, and so he's seen me at every facet of Effie. He's known me since I was like, I think in high school. I want to say he's known me since high school. Uh, We got very close in college, and my real first match, Peter took place in that dog kennel in a backyard party where Adam Seiler and Taylor Hodge were in attendance. And Taylor Hodge was with Adam Seiler at this moment. And they were like, look, we can't make it out Friday night, but we're going to come see you fight this Michael Jackson impersonator, Santana (laughs) Jackson. And I was like, well, what a perfect choice you've made to come out to this VFW hall. Adam, the same friend who has, you know, come to a PWG show with me because I had an extra ticket. He's seen indie wrestling at all stages. He loves it. He's a filmmaker. He's a Hollywood guy. He does a lot of different stuff on sets. So like, this is, just like the purest form of watching art and entertainment for him and people get it at that level you know sometimes out there on the west coast we get it we know what you're doing it's like it's super meta like have you ever met a girl (laughs) i saw that on twitter i saw that from someone so i fight michael jackson and the best spot of the match people were too rowdy for the for the best spot of the match and i should have known they would be like really up and rowdy he Knocks me off the top rope and goes, oh, and then I get nutted on the top rope and I go, hee hee, and then he falls out of the ring and goes, oh, and so it was like, we did a back and forth Michael Jackson sound montage in there. If you go back and really listen to the footage, it's there. You can tell what we were doing, but in the room, I think it, it fell on false ears. Now, there's certain times I say that every part of my performance is for the audience. It's for entertaining the paid fans. Peter, I have to say, I'm a bit of a hypocrite because the finish we did for this match 
was solely for me and Santana Jackson. There's a video that popped up, and I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, of Santana Jackson on the Fremont Street Experience, where we have spent many uh, minutes talking about on this podcast, where he used to perform, you know, Michael Jackson impersonations. He is now doing full hotel show MJ live experience performances, sold out every night like crazy. Damn. But still loves independent wrestling. In this video, there's a man who is very drunk trying to fight Santana Jackson. Okay? Now, Santana Jackson is a trained professional wrestler. He's not thrown off by this attack. And Santana Jackson takes this man down to the ground in a very precise way. And the man grabs his hair in a precise way, too. All I'm saying is, the finish of this match was us literally recreating the fight he had that ended up on TMZ and went viral uh, over again. And then I roll him up with a pin. And I go, I don't care if they get it, but if people look back and actually understand this, they're going to be like, oh my God, they're geniuses. And that chance of a revival of just like, I can't believe they even went for it. I was like, this is surely what people will notice. No, not at all. You know what they noticed? When Michael Jackson put on the Thriller Wolf mask, ran the elbow back and forth, did a little shimmy dance, and then jumped that elbow onto me. That thing went viral, bro. That video had a million views by the next morning, and I'm sure has more now. And people are like, what the hell is going on? And I loved seeing the comments underneath because it's a good reminder to me. And I've had these reminders recently, and maybe we're finding the core of all of this, of what's going on. That there are a lot of people in the world who don't have any idea who Effie is. There are a lot of people who love Effie, and I love it, right? It's... uh. It's a marvelous thing to have people appreciate the work and art that you're trying to put up. But there are many, many, many people who do not know who Effie is, and this is incredible. Because all these comments are going like, what's going on with this dude down here in fishnets? Now, you know, and I know, uh, as seen in the Carl Weathers film, Predators, uh, it is alien armor. This is alien tech armor to protect me from all bad things. Yeah, I mean, you might be able to buy them on Amazon as queen-size fishnets, but we know this is alien armor. And seeing all those comments, I was like, this is great. This is awesome. I was retweeting some of them just because I love when people talk a little shit. That ate me in the ass the the next few days. Um, That's not the right phrase, is it? Whatever. (laughs) Bit me in the ass. Sorry, not ate me. That'd be better. Uh I like retweeting those things because it's just like there's people coming to my defense and they're they're like, that's Effie and he's incredible. And I'm like, this is so sick. I don't even have to say anything. I have people that would just be like, you don't know what you're talking about. Somebody was like, why is that idiot laying there so long? And I was like, because Michael Jackson kicked my ass. That's why, okay? If you get knocked out by Michael Jackson, he has time to dance over your body. That's a fact. We've seen this in movies. Have you never seen a Michael Jackson movie? I just wanted to be in a serious film like James Dean. That guy's super cool. That whole Elvis montage of him making bad movies was incredible, too. Did you know that they made a four Universal Parks? Or maybe it was Disney. They, there was like, a, it's, it's called like Captain EO, and it's oh, just yeah. a Michael Jackson dance video. Uh, you ready? You want to go bigger than this? I was in a band in college called Corporate Casual, and we had a song called Captain EO, and it was incredible. It was one of my favorites to play live. I was obsessed with it. Is there any way to find your band on the internet? Not right now. Okay. I will say when I first, uh, and I probably should do it again, when I first got got rid of my regular income source of a job, I was like, 
if you just like PayPal me $5, I'll send you my old rap mixtapes. And so they're out there. Uh, they're Shut they're wild. Up. They're vulgar. Peter, have I never showed you any of this? No. Yeah, this is detrimental to uh, my brain because it's it's real, dude. We did a full Disney mixtape. We just sampled Disney songs. Shout out John Tommy. He's been showing up in my Twitch lately. He's one of my oldest friends. Uh, John Tommy is Wamwami. He was also in the band Corporate Casual with me, but he was my producer for my uh, rap follies in which I once, this is real. I don't know if I should admit this. I once drank a full pitcher of Long Island iced tea, took a 60 milligram Vivance and an ecstasy, and then performed live and tried to eat an American flag. My dad said to me after college, he goes, you shouldn't be a laugh, man. I don't know how you did it. Elvis and my dad talk pretty similarly. <laughs> <laughs> Does it relax you, son, when you smoke it? <laughs> how much of the flag did you get down? I don't know. This guy wanted to fight me, and I kept eating the flag. I was just like chewing through it. Uh, it was a weird time. I've always been a bit of a performance artist. My mom, I talked to my mom the other day. And she reminded me of something like this goes back. Like I, I'm a performer, darling. She said, uh, I was talking to her about some kids that were being a little rowdy, uh, of her friend, her friend's kids were being rowdy. And I, I said, you know, you got to let the kids rebel a little bit or they'll just, they'll go crazy at the wrong time, you know? And she said, I know. She said, do you remember when you were freezy pop? And I said, what? She said, you said you would dye your hair blue when you were like in middle school. And you would call yourself Freezy Pop. And I was like, Mom, I don't, I don't need to reflect on this, but I'm glad there's a good moment of knowing that I've always been a goddamn performer, okay? There's so much weird stuff that we're going to unearth. And I actually love that uh, they're like, people are going to dig for dirt on you now. And I was like, the only dirt you're going to find is like ridiculous rap mixtapes, silly bands, uh, dumb performances in bars, and uh, one time I opened for Jeffrey Star. <gasps> Did you know that? No. Yeah. So one time the rap group, <laughs> one time my rap group opened for Jeffrey Star, but not only Jeffrey Star, it was also that girl Dev who sang like a G six with the yes. cataracts, and that was the tour I was opening for for and. We performed and it was incredible. And Jeffrey Star was so mean to me, and I loved it. I was like, "Hey, like, what's up? Like, I'm opening for you tonight." And she was like, "Okay." And I was like, "All right, well, I guess I'll see you there." And she's like, "Probably not." And then, like, got back in the tour van. Like, I get it. I get it. Okay, you're Jeffrey Star. I get it. I get it. Yeah. You're still in a van. <laughs> There's still only like 80 people here, Jeffree Star. So please be kind because I think I drew 20 of them. I can draw tickets. Uh, yeah, that's a real story that we've revealed today for the first time. Uh, I keep that in the back pocket. I popped Billy Starks with that one the other day. I was like, is that Jeffree Star eyeshadow? She was like, yeah. I was like, I opened for Jeffree Star one time. It's It shows all, both of our ages, though, Jeffree and myself, that we've been in the scene for a long time. We go viral with Michael Jackson, and then I have to get to San Francisco, and I wish my friends adieu, and we made the drive. God bless Ref Scarlett. I rode with uh, Ref Chad Rico, Ref Scarlett, Joey Janela, and myself, and we ended up at that halfway point between San Francisco and Los Angeles, Kettleman City, baby. Kettleman City is, uh, uh, Peter, it's a, a fucking wasteland. Uh 
It is surrounded by like almond farms, I think. I want to say it's almonds. There's also a lot of tomato growth, but it looks like we're on the last legs of being able to grow anything out there. It is all dirt. Some of these trees are just plopping up. It is so hot. There is only sun for miles and the gas station fridge was out. I probably would be nicer about Kettleman City if the gas station fridge was not out. But I woke up very dehydrated because I was in Kettleman City. We had made that drive overnight. And I tried to go get a beverage and call my lover. And boom, hot beverage. I started my day with a hot beverage. It's not good stuff. This beverage right here is very cold. Luckily, and I say rough scarlet because... Rough Scarlet drove the entire time. I had to pay no attention to the driving. I rested on this car ride. I should be ready to go, and I need to be ready to go because I have two matches. But needless to say, you know, like you work out and you're not that sore the next day, but the day after you're like, ooh, like I'm not really feeling good right now. Yeah, two days after the SGC match, I am feeling very rough. And I know what I've got to do. I know we've got a big one ahead of us. We have to fight the caution. That's Dark Sheik. That's Anton Voorhees. Hood slam zone. Fuck the fans. That's their words, not mine, but fuck the fans. We've got these titles on the line again at the 5 o'clock show. I'm getting dumped around. I'm hitting butts together. Pretty regular stuff. Pretty standard Effie stuff. But also getting tossed through tables with German suplexes and getting leg dropped on and getting hit again. Some very sore but we successfully defended those belts in GCW's uh, San Francisco show. I chose to double book myself because I said, UGWA is running the same day, and I would like very much to have a match with Sandra Moon, but I am running on fumes. And I'm like, I've been through so many freaking doors and shit throughout this weekend. I've been beat up so much. Michael Jackson embarrassed me on the internet. I'm feeling rough. Let me get into this match. And so I show up at Agua, once again for the third week in a row, at an arcade. And it's another emporium, like in Chicago. So I'm in an arcade in uh, San Francisco at the emporium. And me and Sandra Moon are going to have this match. And I got to see a lot of wonderful people that day. You know, saw Kid Bandit. Ali Catch and Cole came to the show. Uh, Anton was on the show. Marco Mania, Marco Mayor. It was a great time. It was beautiful. And then we have the match. And I'm not in a great mood, Peter, because I want to fight Sandra Moon. She wants to fight me, but I'm on my last bits of energy. And you know me. I can get a little ornery. I can get a little bratty if I'm without energy. And Allie Catch knows this best. She said it to someone. She goes, he's being, he's, he's just stop, stop. Just let him, let him look into his brain. Let him look into his brain. He's, he's making the match happen in his brain. So just let him look. I was like, this girl understands me more than anyone. And I'm working like a son of a bitch in this match. Being an absolute piece of shit, Peter. Wild style. Slapping her in the face. Hitting her down. Throwing big moves on her. Kicking her. But I'm also taking some pretty big moves here. And I'm getting thrown around a little bit. And people are starting to realize I'm being a bad guy, being real mean. And at the beginning of this match, Sandra Moon climbed up on top of my head and she punched me in the head 10 times over and over. And then she ran her elbow 
into the back of my head. Very rude. But now I was in control. Y'all know me. I would never do anything in a match that nobody had not agreed on beforehand, okay? But I'm being a piece of shit. So I see her helpless in the corner after I've locked in the Daniel Bryan Danielson cattle mutilation. After I've hit her with the fucking curb stomp, a la Super Dragon, PWG style. Guess what, Peter? Climb up to those top ropes, and I think I'll punch her back in the head. And then I think, you know what? Nah, I'm a bad dude. I'm a piece of shit. So I humped her in the head. And then I humped her in the head again. All right? And then you know what happened, Peter? And you know what no one else saw when they saw that five-second clip of me humping Sandra Moon in the head? She headbutts me back in the dick. Oh, God. And then she headbutts me back in the dick again. Over and over. And then she grabs around my legs and runs me out to the middle of that ring and slams me damn near on my neck, almost breaking my whole body. One, two, and I barely got out of that. But she didn't stop there. And she kept throwing moves at me and she kept being mean and she kept slapping me and she kept fighting. And then she hit me with Jeff Jarrett's move. And she got the one, two, three on Effie. And I did not get the championship. And being a piece of shit did not help me win. And most people didn't see that she literally turned the spot around on me and then made me look like a fool for even attempting such a dumb fucking maneuver. And we can't ask for the choice of framing. I mean, look at tabloid magazines. They're still talking about Ben Affleck and J-Lo and... Does Brad Pitt really love Jennifer Aniston? I mean, any clip you give them, any moment you give them, they're going to take it. You can't be mad at that. But folks, and I think the match as we are talking now is about to debut so people can see that goofy-ass moment. You know what I mean? But framing or not framing, please understand, comparisons that were made on the internet are nowhere near true. I go home to my loving partner, I go home to my dogs, I pay my bills, and I check on everybody in the locker room. And Sandra Moon wanted to have a fucked up wild Effie match. The kind of Effie match like the ones I've had in the past where whipped cream was eaten out of my ass, where a dildo squirted in my eye and made me blind so that Marco Stunt could beat me and it never got near him and it only backfired on me. The kind of matches where... uh where I choke slam a child and then get beat with a stone cold stunner that sends me back flipping to a one, two, three. Andy Kaufman's one of my favorite people, but there was always the bit in the Andy Kaufman act where you kind of understood it, you know? And I think people need to understand that when Effie is a bad man, I am doing it like an Aesop's fable because it is always immediately strewn back in my face and you go, Oh, It was a cautionary tale to show us how not to be. And I won't apologize for my art, and I won't censor my art, and I won't change the way I do things, and I will never put anyone in a place of peril. And I understand that some people are concerned with power dynamic because Effie's so over, because Effie's so this. Listen, I am talking everyone through uh, in a more cautionary way than I see ever backstage on everything. I would never do anything that people didn't want to do. But... 
if you think talking shit about Effie gets to Effie. The amount of loving phone calls and texts and messages I've received, it's beautiful. People jumping to my defense, posting cute pictures, saying, what are you talking about? I love it. I've also done this spot a hundred times. It also always backfires in my face. I also think that if you watch the whole match, it's fucking hilarious to watch me get my ass kicked. I love winning and doing big things, but I much more like picking my spots where I fall down the stairs or fall down the bleachers or get something spit in my eye that makes me look like a dwindle. I love the Three Stooges. I love Buster Keaton. I love all of this, and I do it for a new age wild audience. I'm not setting the gaze back. Don't come for me. There's other people setting the gaze back, and I'm not trying to get with Sandra Moon. Trust me, that's not my cup of tea. Uh, I'm trying to have a great match and entertain a particular audience, and that's what I think we did. I didn't know about any of this when I got back on the plane, though, and I got to bring this up again, and I'm not, I don't want to shit talk it. The everything bagel flavored chocolate bar edibles. These are real, Peter. I'm going to make you eat part of it because it's so bizarre. Okay. I was eating it and going, oh man, I hate this, but I'm glad it exists so I know I hate this because I'd be like, oh, that seems like a good idea. It is bananas, just covered in everything bagel seasoning, rich milk chocolate, cannabinoids, and everything bagel seasoning. Quite salty. It's quite salty. And it it got me on that plane. Now, Peter, I had to be a bit of a Celine Dion, maybe a bit of a Michael Jackson, okay? I knew the flight home, and I don't want to get in trouble with, uh, with the airline, but I found a cheaper way to get home where I get off the plane in Atlanta where all the connections are made. And so I had to keep just one bag with me. And I made a particular choice on my seat on the flight back, which was the emergency row with nothing in front of it where you get the full leg space. And... I have in my new uh, Beats headphones because I keep breaking AirPods. I said, I'm going to give something else a try. So I have in these Beats headphones. They're incredible. You can't hear anything. You can't even hear when they upgrade you to Comfort Plus. <laughs> so I'm, you know, at this point, a, a pretty deep in peach rings and everything bagel chocolate, pretty stizzied and getting on this plane. And she says, oh, we moved you to 10C. And I said, no. <laughs> she goes, what? And I go, move me back. She goes, you, I, I announced over that there was an upgrade. You got an upgrade. And I said, you got to move me back. She goes, why? I go, that's the best seat. She goes, I already put someone in that seat. I go, they're not there yet. You got to put me back. I'm in the main zone. And I stood there and I stared at her while she put me back in that emergency seat. And I sat down and I felt bad for a minute. Okay. Not bad for the person who had to get back in 10 and get comfort. Plus it's lovely up there. I felt kind of bad because next to me, this dude, two seats over, he must have been like a basketball prodigy or something because he's like seven feet tall. Oh, God. And he's huge and he's giant, but he's definitely still in high school, right? And I was like, damn, like I probably should offer all this leg room to this seven foot tall man. And then I remembered SGC and Michael Jackson and fighting caution, going through the doors. And I remember that I had to do things the next day. And I remembered that I was Effie. And I thought, you know, he's still young. I'm sure those legs are going to bring him a lot of pain down the line. But tonight, he's going to learn that if you can accumulate enough Sky Miles, you can kind of get whatever seat you want. And you can make a move you back, even if you're tall. I slept the whole flight. That karma probably came right back and got me. Because not only did I go viral with Michael Jackson... But I was trending number 15 in the U.S. when people were shit-talking me. I want you to understand that, like, 
when someone tweeted the spot, like it's a six second clip and it was like, had so much fun at the show, hashtag more gay shit, which is what the name of the show Ugwa put on was called. And someone found it and it's all, you know, profile list pics or whatever. Uh, profile pickless profiles. What do you say? Pickless profiles. I don't know. One of those, you know, my pic, my profile has a picture of me. That's what, that's what it is. Ours has a picture of weekended effies. You know what it is. This is a lot of nameless people. They found the clip. The poor girl had to delete the clip, but I think people will enjoy it when it comes out, but trending 15 in the U S for just, just existing, I guess. I love it. I think we're ahead. Uh, I think we're going to have more of this. They haven't even announced season two of the cartoon yet. Like I'm just sitting on the edge of my seat going, yeah, fire them up. But next time it's not going to be Twitter trolls. It's going to be Republican senators. We're about to be in for the fight of a lifetime. And I think I was just getting a taste of the iron resiliency that you need. I even tweeted out the symbol for iron, which is F-E. And I know we've said that before, but never forget. I may be goofy. I may be fun. I may do sexy things. I may be hot on the beach. But... Peter, I am iron, brother. I wouldn't have made it doing this almost nine years if I wasn't used to bullshit. I've been through every ringer. We're here. We're now. And Los Angeles was beautiful. The sun melted me. And I think we, uh, I think we've got big things ahead. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Do we have like a ton of questions? Yes, we do. I love that. Sometimes you look at me and I don't know if we're just done or if there's going to be questions. And I love that about this. Sometimes too. I'm just like uh, taking in everything that you've just said. I know yeah. it's not great for an audio <laughs> medium, but <laughs> he's hearing it for the first time too, folks. And this is my life recorded a week at a time. It's also Peter's life and we're here. And uh, I hope we have more marvelous adventures together. What are you doing next weekend? <laughs> uh, nothing. Going to, I'm going to Nashville in the car, if you feel up for it. Starcast is going to be weird, though. Uh, that's like the meet and greet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, everybody will be there. Oh, this is just, uh, it's nicotine. Okay, so I bought this <laughs> in Kettleman City, this vape that you're using. I bought this in Kettleman City, and it looks, I want you to read the side of it, because I just need you to... The reason I stopped and looked at it is because it says fruity carts, sour diesel, and then there's a gas pump that says 420 is the price. Right. So you would think, and I even had this conversation with the cashier. I said, oh, I thought that was nicotine. I'm going to put it back. I have enough of the other stuff. No, it's a nicotine vape that they've themed around thinking you're smoking weed. I don't know who is convenienced by this. Uh, Kettleman City, folks. What are you going to do? Oh, beautiful. All right. Our first question is from Tony. Hi, Effie and Peter. Love the show and don't miss an episode. My question this week is for both of you. If you could be any animal, what would you choose and why? I'd like to be a tortoise for some reason, which I think is a powerful move. It's it very to... powerful. What What were those books? Was it like Metamorphosis? Animorphs. Animorphs, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I love the Twitter meme of picking the middle picture of the Animorph where it's between animal and person and uh, showing how high you are. You know, like you're between a man and a chameleon. That's how high you are. <laughs> okay, so I have to go back to childhood real quick. Uh, whenever we played imaginary beast wars, I would be like an aardvark beast war, like an armadillo thing. You know what I mean? 
So, like the armored armor. Yeah, like not an like armored Arthur. Not like Arthur. No, I don't mean an Ardvark. I think I mean an armadillo. And I've heard that they give people leprosy. I don't. I've heard that too. I want to be uh, the type of armadillo that doesn't give people leprosy, but is also good with its little tactile grips. <laughs> they have very interesting hands, armadillos. Have you not they taken do. a look? Yeah, I don't. I, they're a little odd. I think about raccoons and armadillos and possums. We really, we messed up. We, I love dogs. I think they're beautiful. I think when I think about a dog, they don't exist in any kayfabe. They just like exist in the now and everything. And there's nothing, you know what I mean? Like it's all just as it is to a dog, I think. Maybe not. I don't know. But with those little raccoons and the possums and armadillos, they could have that, but also with little grippy hands. I'm not, I don't. I'm not with you on this one. I, can't, <laughs> I, I think all of those creatures are kind of gross, but I don't That's, know. Maybe you have like a reclamation. The lamestream media is convincing you that they are gross because of their little grippy hands and their ability to eat trash. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think I would have to go for specifically, and this is going to sound sexist, but a male lion. Because they have much less work to do. Because the, the, the females essentially just run. Yeah, the you're whole kind pride. of a show pony, right? A hundred percent. And like, you know, occasionally you have to do the like showdown between the older male lion and the younger one. I actually got to see one of those one time. Oh it was yeah, wild. Is it not like medieval times? Are they not having a conversation beforehand? Red night, blue night. Uh, it's possible. I, that's what I would do because I wouldn't actually want to. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. one time I saw it, it was very Hey, buddy, brutal. give me three more years ahead of the pack, and then I'll, I'll turn it to you. I'll take a dive. I like that, though. Do you think if you'd grown up here that you would still have the affinity for the lion, or do you think that you have a better a better appreciation and understanding for the lion? I would probably be a raccoon boy like you. If I looked yeah. Over here. <laughs> trash mammal, trash mammal. Come on. Use your grippers. <laughs> They threw away all this cheese, man. <laughs> I want to see that Pixar movie, just armadillos and raccoons having at it. Oh, yeah. Fighting for territory, giving people leprosy. <laughs> leprosy just isn't something you think about in a context other than, like, Jesus healing people with leprosy. Yeah, when he was really. pranking the dudes with leprosy. Yeah. Where he was like, you can't heal one of us and not the rest. And he's like, oh, yeah, I can. And then he, and he was like... It's hurt so bad to have leprosy. And he was like, does it? And he looked down and he was like, damn, we don't have it either now. That's so crazy. Why wouldn't you just do it? Why would you be an asshole? Okay, this question's from Isaac. Hi, my name is Isaac. I gotta say, you are the nicest wrestler I've ever, ever interacted with. Every time I've talked to you, it feels like I'm talking to a friend I've known for years. My question is, how do you stay so pleasant and kind during meet and greet slash fan interactions? Some wrestlers are really short and even mean. Not everything I learned at church is a bad thing. Okay. Now I am, I, I liked the freeing nature of going like, I don't think there's God's story is as correct as they're saying. Maybe not everyone is perfect and beautiful in his image. And maybe some of us are just a little uglier and that's okay. Like that's a beautiful thing to have, but also we are all worthy and special and beautiful and lovely and interesting and I learned early to listen. If you notice with me, like I talk a lot in this context. I talk a lot when I'm on Twitch. I talk in a promo 
But if you're interacting with me, I'm listening. And that's the best way to get to know anybody. And you find out, like, most of the people who are fans of wrestling, if you treat them like, like, here comes the fans, like, oh, my God, fans. But, like, literally, uh, you're, like, GoFunding my whole life existing. And if we were wrestlers without an audience, like we were during COVID, at least we had the internet a little bit, it would just feel very stupid which it kind of did. So the fact that we're back and there are people who are making the choice to leave their house and leave their stuff and come see us, I want to find out about them. I want to know who they are. And I've met a lot of crazy people through that. So like, even if I'm exhausted, even if I'm beat up, even if I'm this, I'm still going to take the time to go out there and see what's up with everybody and see what's going on with people. And it's also easier as a performer if you know who's in the room, you know, like who am I performing for? Who am I doing this for? You know, if you're... Uh, performing for, you know, a bachelorette party, it's probably a little different than if you're performing for like a room full of Marines. I don't know. There's different audiences. I want to know who's there. I want to feel it out. I don't always get the chance to do that, but I don't know. I've always enjoyed it. Fans like bringing me cool stuff. Fans care. I always say, thank you for giving a shit. And I mean it like, thank you for giving a shit. This is crazy. Like we're like, uh, a weird carnival, you know, you don't have to come to the weird carnival. There's so many other things you can do. You can go to the sick bowling alley. I probably would have chosen that. I don't know. But you're here. I got to give you myself. I got to at least try. That's a long, drawn out, weird answer. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's like, that's the very simple, like, it's one of those things that gets overused. But namaste literally just means the God in me recognizes the God in you. Yeah. And I think that's the best way to live life is just to see everyone as their own source of divinity trying to get through this weird thing that we're doing. I got to say too, Peter, I'm also a believer in the worldview that we are one brain. We are all extensions of, of the brain. And the purpose of this existence is to uh, question each other to figure this all out, you know? So it's like, it's like communicating with, you know, the universe really by communicating with anyone. I've a hundred percent, you know, we're all polyps on the big, on the big fleshy all, mound. Yeah, It's just this giant cosmic octopus and we're each a tendril. And you know what's sick? My brain has not run out of memory yet, so like I can keep meeting people and learning things. It's awesome to learn new things. That's beautiful. I love that. All right, this is from Luca X. I'll get straight to the question. What has been the strangest, most unusual, but positive wrestling experience slash story that is fit to share with your loving audience? Thank you from a dirty box fan in a window. I thought that was a great sign. That's lovely. All right, Luca. Uh... The most positive, I think it was a moment of self-reflection after a Cedric Alexander seminar because it's made my job so much more pleasant over all of these years. And I think that if there wasn't joy in actually doing the wrestling and joy and trying to put matches together and joy and creating the stories that you wouldn't uh, come back to it. You know, there's like the, the cons would outweigh the pros if it wasn't enjoyable at its core to actually do the wrestling. And I asked in this seminar, I was like, do you change your moveset to fit to where you can explain it or do it on anyone because you're traveling so much and meeting so many people and you don't know how long you have with the person you're wrestling? And he was like, no, but I probably should. And I was like, damn, we all probably should. And thinking in that term, instead of thinking like, this person better know how to take my move, it's this person should know how to take the move I'm giving, whether they've taken it before or not. That changed my whole outlook on putting matches together and doing wrestling and the things I do. And it sort of puts a little bit of a constraint on you because you go like, okay, well, 
I can do moves where I can pick people up. I can show that strength. I can do that. But there's also ways to where like, no matter how small or big you are, I can use my body in an explosive way or in a different way that is going to be able to mesh to anybody. And so when I'm fighting people who don't speak English or don't speak uh, my language and I don't speak their language, I don't speak Japanese, I don't speak Spanish, but I can still put together a story with these people because my stuff is very adaptable and easy to kind of plug in where I need it to. And I can do things that are complex. I know my people that you know you can pull stuff out of. I'm willing to always try new stuff, but I think that has added a lot to the positivity of my whole wrestling experience because I've never been fighting over... Uh, trying to make my stuff look good because it's on me to make it look good. Because it's so easy for you to take that I have to be the one that's in charge of making it look good. I don't know. It's le- like it sounds like a weird answer, but like I don't think that if I had thought that way, I would enjoy wrestling as long or would be here as long. Mm, that's great. That's interesting. What about you, Peter? What's your most positive wrestling experience? Probably just the whole... Okay, one of the things that I noticed... Uh, going to fest with y'all is even though there was chaos on the road and everything and, you know, uh, people's suitcases were flying out of the back of cars and everything, um, me being like an outsider there, whenever anyone would like make a joke at anyone else's expense, just in like the running course of the whole thing, there was a deliberate move by every person there to be like, but just so you understand, we love the absolute shit out of whoever it is that we're ragging on right now. And so there's just like this balance to the whole thing where it was like, don't get us wrong. We love this human being. And that's fantastic. And it wasn't any, it was literally yeah. everyone in the group. Cause I'm going to be, yeah, but it's like, it, it would be like, Oh, we're going to have a match with so-and-so. And I'd be like, Oh my God, how many falsies are you going to do tonight? Oh yeah. You're going to do 31 falsies in that match. That'll get it over. That'll work. Yeah it's it's the rib nature of wrestling we're like at its core we're beating each other up and we're crazy and we're hitting each other on the face but also like we've got to be able to like you know i don't know at, at its core like i've had that issue before where like you get heat with someone and that's the goal of wrestling like i want people to believe we hate each other so it's almost like a sense of conditioning yourself to uh, be able to take heat, you know, and be able to like handle the things when it's like, Hey, you and your bro are going to fight. He's going to bring up some personal shit. It's for the benefit of everyone. And it's crazy. And probably a therapist would be like, you shouldn't engage in this practice, but I don't know. It's, it works out. If, if I've got heat with you, it's not real. I don't have heat with anything. I often joke like to get me really, really mad. I, I don't know what you'd have to do to be like fully. I hate you. I'm done. You know, I the, the I don't know. I want walking away from that. It warmed my heart. That's beautiful. I'm glad we brought you the joy with our with our ragtag gang. Uh, big gray, big gay brunch September. Are you going to have a big gay brunch during Labor Day weekend? If so, when are you going to start making announcements? Yo, uh, official announcement to everybody. Yes, I've been very behind the ball on this. Uh, I'm going to put on a great show. It's going to be incredible, but, uh, it is probably me overworking myself in a sense. So I'm hoping everybody steps up to the plate, but I do want to have an event. I do want to do it in Chicago. I want to have one before we go to Hollywood, before we get gay in Hollywood. Uh, and I want to show off a lot of the talent in the Midwest. I think that we can do that in a very meaningful way, but I do need to let people know they're on the show. I've let a few people know they're on the show. 
but we do need to get some announcements out. Great point. Let's make some announcements soon. Uh, Bussy are your tag team champions, hopefully forever. Uh, Big A Brunch, September. I'm going to take two naps before then, and I should be okay. I should be all right after two naps. (laughs) Okay, this is from Mark Anthony. Here wanting to ask Effie a two-part question. Did you enjoy that California hand weed? And would you like some spaghetti next time you're in Los Angeles? Yes. Thank you for the hand weed. I put it in my little vial, my little container of flowers. And I would love some spaghetti. Are you making the spaghetti? Are we getting the spaghetti somewhere? It's not common. I choose spaghetti on the road unless it comes with a very large meatball, not a set of meatballs. I still wouldn't choose it with a set of meatballs. I need one large meatball. But if it's a homemade spaghetti, I have to tell you that it's very hard to get a hold of Effie for that long in Los Angeles unless you just bring me the spaghetti. But then I'd be a little nervous about the spaghetti. I got to say, I don't know. Am I going to eat all the spaghetti? Weed's a little different. You burn it. So if there's any germs on weed, you know, it kind of gets burnt. But with spaghetti, I don't know. I'm consuming it. I've got a fight usually when I'm in Los Angeles. So I'm trying not to eat too much heavy food. And spaghetti sounds a little heavy. So maybe, would you eat the spaghetti, Peter? I would eat any spaghetti. That's one of those... <laughs> foods that whoever whoever is preparing it I, everyone has their own spin on spaghetti and i feel like my family used to oh we used to put ranch dressing on spaghetti. <laughs> okay all right instead of marinara or like on top of the marinara on top of the marinara incredible just mix it all together american sauce isn't that what they call it outside the states yeah, yeah. american sauce i was always a little embarrassed of my overly white parents i think that's fine i knew an italian mother who would put a little bit of grape jelly in the meat sauce in oh, the gravy, and she said it brought out all the goodness. I mean, that's the same with the, when I get Swedish meatballs at Ikea. Yeah, little jelly, little yeah, ling- exactly. lingonberry. Exactly. Love Ikea. Love salted licorice. How Hook much more up. time do you have? Uh, let's see. I got a couple minutes. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and ask this one. The Thank you, everyone, for sending in questions. We are drowning in questions Good. at the moment, which is fantastic. Uh, weekend at effies at gmail.com if you'd like to ask a question and if you'd like to sponsor the podcast please sponsor the podcast uh we'll give you a great rate on the sponsorship and i'll put my whole heart into it but since we have no sponsor uh go follow at low sky dance and send him money somehow do you sell stuff on etsy i do i still have stuff on etsy i have people have been reaching out to me wanting bigger prints yeah so that's going to be something that happens perfect Uh, we need to come do our couple shoot Yes. Oh, my goodness. We could sell some prints of the couple shoot. Yeah. Let the aliens come visit us. Oh, that'd be beautiful. His, oh, his bone structure. It's disgusting. The one shoot it. I did with them, I was like, Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> we got stopped at that bowling alley, and they were like, are you a model? Are you a model? And I was like, he should be a model. The, tell him if he wants to make some extra money, talent soup. They just get regular good-looking, like non modely people that are good-looking to be in commercials and stuff like that. Um, I once got paid a thousand dollars to be in like a commercial that didn't get used. It was great. I That's just incredible. Yeah. Just sit around and get shot. A hundred percent. Lovely. Okay. Uh, what do you do when you're just completely lost and unsure how to restart your life? When you come to that crossroad and you don't know what to do or what would make you happy. And then someone else chimed in and said, when you figure this out, please let me know. <laughs> so. I haven't been in every situation, so I can't know everything. I can't know how bad your situation is or what's exactly going on in your situation. But I usually suggest this. Make a list, 
first of everything you're absolutely responsible for. Like in my case, I'd be like, I have to take these dogs out. I have to feed these dogs. I have to take care of my partner. We have to have food. I have to pay rent. I have to pay internet. I have to pay utilities. These are like my baseline things of what I have to do. Figure out what that's going to cost you. I hate doing this in terms of money up front, but I'm leading somewhere. Then when you have that, figure out how you're going to cover that, right? And a lot of times you got to cover it however you got to cover it. But then you're going to have a little time left over. Not much. Capitalism's a bastard. But we got to pay for things. We got to be able to live in a place. If we can't, we need assistance. Maybe that's the direction we're going. But get to that level first. And then ask yourself what you would be doing with the rest of that time, right? What are you doing with the rest of that time? Well, whatever it is, that's the thing you actually like. That's the thing you enjoy doing. Now you got to figure out the bastardization of the thing you like. And if you can handle the bastardization of the thing you like, and that is figuring out how to make a little money with the thing you like. Now, maybe that's not the goal of happiness for you. Maybe that doesn't bring you happiness. Maybe you want to just have activities outside of what you're doing and you want them to bring you joy and not have to worry about it in your financial situation. But if these things do truly bring you joy, you can figure out how to maintain your sense of self within them and the joy it brings you in certain aspects. Not that it won't also bring you a little bit of discomfort just because of the nature of the bastard of making money out of the thing you like. You have to then decide how much of it can replace the rest of the stuff that you don't actually like doing. And if you don't like doing stuff, sometimes you have to do it. I did a lot of stuff I didn't like. But in all of that time, like this is no overnight story of me not having a job at this point. This is like years of I will work on trucks and I will work jobs and I will be in a band and I will go on tour and I will try to work shows on the weekend and I will show up at places and I will try to network with people and I will meet people. This is it's it's very long form, but I knew that was the things I liked. I knew that was the things I wanted. And if I could be more involved in them, they could take over more of my finances and more of the stuff that I didn't like, which is having to do that nine to five, having to hire and fire people, having to deal with cranky customers. I didn't like doing any of that, but it was means to an end sort of of like, okay, if I do this for a while, I can crank this up and I can get some shirts made and then I can make a little more over here. It's a whole system. And maybe the financial answer to this is not the way to do it, but I think that if you can find those things that are, are joyful to take over parts of the things that make you sad that you have to do, uh, you'll find a better direction in what you're doing. And maybe not every activity is monetized, but uh, the people looking for gold in California didn't, uh, didn't make all the money. It was the businesses set up to feed and clothe and house the people who were out there trying to find gold. So maybe you love tennis, but maybe you're maybe your money in tennis comes from a little accessory of tennis and you still get to play a lot of tennis. You know what I mean? Yeah. So don't be afraid of trying weird things within something you enjoy. Don't be afraid of expanding into new things that you might enjoy. Uh, as corny as it is, the first thing to being good at something is being very bad at something. And we've discussed that before on here with footage of my first match, which I probably should let you see is incredible stuff. Oh, I'd love that. Uh, but yeah, I think you have to do that little bit of reflecting. And sometimes... In that process of getting down to the bare bones of like, here's the things I have to do, here's the things I have to pay, and here's the things I enjoy, you're also going to cut out a lot of bullshit too, where you go like, oh, these are the necessities. This thing that I thought was a necessity is not, or these people that I thought I had to do this with, it's not necessary to my life, you know? And then you get to spend more time with the joy, and you'll find new people that enjoy the same things as you. I hope. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's I echo all of that. It's long form. It's not an overnight thing. No. And I think that's I think that's the when you hit those crossroad points, 
you want the new thing to go, oh, I'm on this different journey now. I'm writing this new story for myself. But it really is going, like, taking a detour down that crossroad and going, wow, wow, we're lost as fuck right now. And hopefully we're going to find where we're trying to get going. And then you go, oh, I went a little bit longer down this road than I thought, but we made it. And also, when you go down that long road and that weird road, sometimes you find out that all those things that were terrible that you had to do, that like just sucked. They helped you in other situations when you got to them. And like, there are plenty of situations in wrestling where if I was an 18 year old kid coming into wrestling and going, hoorah, this is my fantasy. This is my dream. They would have tripped me up bad. They would have messed me up. They would have messed with my mental, but I'm coming in as a complete person with a lot of experience. And so was it an easy journey getting to this chair right here? No, but I've learned everything I've needed to learn along the way, and it all kind of comes back into perspective when you need it. So I can't be mad at all the stuff that's happened over all the time, you know? It's all there to uh, benefit me down the line. It's a Life is a great Chekhov's gun. Like, you don't know when you're going to need it, but it'll come into play later on. You know what I had in my head earlier? And you're the religious scholar here, so maybe you'll know. Were there any, like, uh, monk warriors? The, like Christian monk warrior? I don't know. I feel like a monk warrior because there's a certain peace I achieve around the moments of a match happening. And then I expel all of my physical energy, my giant self. The person who's in that ring is not the same person who was walking around Venice. And my body knows subconsciously when to conserve. And there's a certain meditation that exists that I've found where people say, oh, you're acting a little different or you're this. But when I'm not in that performance position, I have maintained a magic Zen, no matter how bad it is, no matter how much stoicism I require, it's completely built in now. And then I go out and there's sort of the fragment wild version that expels itself out like a warrior would. And then it's right back to Zen monkdom. Well, there's a concept in um, Tibetan Buddhism that you should have a, like, don't worry about anything that you're doing. Trust that in every situation, you will make the right decision. So it removes you from this polarity of good and bad. Like, because, I mean, there's so many decisions that we think we're making. They're like, oh, this is the right thing to do. And then like a month gets down the road and you go, oh, that was like actually the opposite of what needed to happen in that situation. So it's this, it's called uh, upaya skillful means and so it's the idea that like whatever comes to me i will do i trust myself to do the right thing in that situation and so like you're you you don't need to be like a swordsman all the time when you're not actually in battle you know yeah i don't feel like a swordsman all the time i got about a 15 minute swordsman limit i hit 18 (laughs) minutes friday night you know (laughs) all right you want to do a couple more yeah yeah throw them at me let's get it we're getting deep into it now. Um, oh, this question, so we kind of already answered it. Can you ask Effie how he felt wrestling the reincarnation of Michael Jackson? It was just incredible, and it was very confusing. And I've been in a lot of strange situations in wrestling, but like sometimes, objectively, you don't realize how strange it is until you're in the middle of it, and you kind of look up, and you're like, this man is moonwalking on the top rope, coming at me. This is very wild, you know? And so taking those pieces, I call them like That's So Raven moments. You know, the show of That's So Raven, she would, she would always see like one little piece of a story and then she would fuck up how to deal with it. And so it's kind of like that where like if I was just to like blink between five seconds and take in that moment, I'd be like, 
I don't know how the fuck I ended up in a VFW in Baldwin Park, California, fighting a Michael Jackson impersonator. And I don't know how I'm going to get there, but it's like just trusting that these situations kind of build themselves out of a bunch of strange decisions. I loved it. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, will you ever come to Western slash Central New York? I love that part of New York, and I would love to come up there. Uh, Buffalo, Albany, and... <laughs> In Tallahassee, Florida, we called it Albany, Albany, Georgia. Yeah, disgusting. Monte Monticello is the name of that town. Is it? Is it? Cairo. What? Huh? Cairo, Georgia, not Cairo, Egypt. What are we? Some kind of Yankees. I love that part of the state. I love going up there. Uh, I had the best Indian food I've ever had in my whole life in Albany, New York. Oh, wow. I would love to come back there. Rochester Rules, Garbage Plates. There's footage of me having a parking lot party in Rochester on that tour documentary that I was very excited to see back. And remember, it was as lively as it was. I loved it. So, yes, I would hope to come up there. Point me in the right direction. Point them in my direction. Let's go to Western New York. Uh, okay, two two more. What are the factors that go into choosing what event to travel to and what matches you to take? I'm sure Effie is quite in demand. How do you choose who to give that heat to? It is difficult sometimes. I mean, there are certain places I'm going to give priority to. There are certain places that I'm a repeat uh, member at that I show up a lot at and do a lot of matches at. And especially when you're taking in a new place, you know, as a wrestler, we've been bitten in the ass before on flights or we've been bitten in the ass before on pay or some new promotion that pops up around tax return season and then all of a sudden they can't pay everybody what they told them. So you have to be a little bit careful and there's no perfect math to it. And you're kind of hopeful that it'll work out and you're hopeful that things make sense. And uh, I wish there was more to understanding it, but it's sort of a trial and error where like, I've made a lot of good choices. I've made a lot of bad choices. You don't really know what's going to work out. And there are certain, you know, thoughts amongst wrestlers where it's like, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Don't fall for it. And don't, you know, hold it on your calendar. Because if I hold a calendar date for you and you cancel a week before the show, it's a little hard to rebook something. And people say, well, you got to have deposits. You got to have this, you got to have that. I've also had really good relationships with people who've never paid me a deposit and who always pay me on time and who always, you know, take care of everything. Or, you know, I'll eat a flight for a promotion I know just because I know they'll get me on the back end if I can pick the better flight with the seat with the extra, you know, leg room. So it's not a perfect science. I don't think it ever will be. But I do hope to completely turn that away from me having to make the choice anymore. And, uh, have a better team in charge. The longer I go and the more I just become Effie, I'm thinking back to the cautionary tale of Elvis where he's like, I don't know. We better go ask the Colonel if I can do it. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to have to go ask the Colonel if I can do it. I don't want to, I trust him. He told me his name's Colonel Tom Parker. Seems like a swell guy. It's, it's not a situation you want to end up in, but boy, it's fun to just be Elvis. You know what I mean? All I got to do is go out there and shake my dick and play my gospel songs. Come on. Let me go out there and do it. I'll do anything for you, Colonel Tom. Close the windows. I need pills. I'm Elvis. <laughs> All right. Last question. When does Effie get his horns? Oh, God. I'm hoping in the next week or so. Should be, uh, should be pretty well known when they show up. Yeah. Yeah, a little too much. We'll keep that. We'll keep that secret. But yeah, I think you're going to see Effie with horns. In the new variant, very soon, sooner than sooner than most could handle or recognize. 
but it may not be with my face, you know? Maybe maybe a different view of the horns. But I did demon upgrade Peter, and that shit is swell. That shit is real swell. You like my new tattoo, by the way? The crocodile? Yeah. I love it. You know what I thought, and I thought of... I think I've thought this before. This is the stoner headshot going. Every time I look down, you know what I see? Big challenges. You know what I've always got ahead of me? Big challenges. Everywhere I walk, every time I pay attention, every time I check where my feet are, I got big challenges. They're always ahead. They'll always be there. We're going to fight them head on. There's no challenge too big for big challenges.